This is a journey in faith, food, and fitness. You're listening to the Man of Fit Podcast. Is there a standard in pre-adolescent and adolescent weightlifting? Should we be training the same in-season as we do out-of-season? Why you should always be involved in your child's sports participation? Come, listen, and join the discussion. The Man of Fit Podcast. Hey friends, hey family, welcome to the Vanfit Podcast. We are like halfway through uh, November. This year has been just flying by. Um, it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, I'm here with Jay, as always. Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Trees are starting to change. Although up north, I'm sure they're already dropping leaves. You know, the Panhandle got some snow this like yesterday or something like that. Like it is starting to get cold and I don't like it. You don't like it? Oh, I, I hate the it. cold. I hate the cold. Mm-hmm. I like being by a fire um, and just being warm and sn- like cozy. The only thing I like about the cold is that I can get out my quilts now and wrap mm. up in them. So I, I love that. I love my grandma's quilts and being able to wrap up in them. Um, but uh, today, um, we're going to kind of continue our conversation, uh, really involved around um, sports and, and kind of taking a dive of all around like weightlifting. Um, especially yeah, training. With, yeah, uh, especially with training and weightlifting with uh, children um, as they go from adole- pre-adolescence to adolescence. Um, yeah. So Jay, do you know anything about Richard Sandrick? I hope I said that name right. I do not. So have you heard of uh, little Hercules? Nope. So Richard Sandrick, who is about 30 now, um, is actually a full-time, uh, uh, stunt double in Hollywood. Um, okay. got this name little Hercules because he was the youngest bodybuilder. Um, in the world and at like age like 11 or 13 something ridiculous like that he had like an eight pack and was very famous for basically doing these um, high level like calisthenic type movements um, Mm -hmm. that you would see like gently or or people like that doing so it really got me thinking as we were thinking about this um, because he had to start at a really young age Um, what is a good age to kind of start training Mm. weightlifting or strength training, stuff like that. Like, is there a appropriate age that we should start uh, our kids down that road? Yeah. So I I definitely know that the previous mindset was concerned with the growth plates. I mean, like Mm. the thought was that the younger that they are, the larger that the growth plates are. And so uh, the more concern that people had with damaging it by placing the weight through the bones and may cause Mm -hmm. a pre-closure of those growth plates. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think, I think that that school is school of thought is starting to turn a little bit. Um, Cause when I was doing my research, the American college of sports medicine, they sat her and said, mostly if they consider and participate in um, like collective sports and they reference baseball, soccer, football, and then they sat there and said they'd be up and able to do some weightlifting, but they had caveats. Sure. Um, they sat there and suggested that uh, the individual had to have 
cognitive maturity and the willingness to obey commands mm. and to follow uh, specific instructions under the guidance of a licensed individual. So um, there is that caveat, but I mean, like when we're talking about like just general thoughts and concepts, it's kind of changed from what I saw. So what about you? No, no, no. I think you're absolutely right. I was actually stunned at what I was finding because, um, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thought process going into it that, you know, we're going to find a lot of things that are against weightlifting, especially in like a younger child, like looking at ages, you know, six and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mo- most of the research I found and, and you know, I, I found a good uh, systematic review that I'll put up there for everybody, but it, it looks at different cultures and their thought process on when strength training and weightlifting should occur. Do, do, do you mind like uh, explaining a systematic review for our listeners so that they might yeah, understand the significance of that art? I, I understand it, but like maybe sure. help help. Yeah, so ba- basically, like in terms of research, a systematic review is like the highest level of research. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. much out there. So what what the researcher does is he takes different styles, different levels of research that is currently out, and he they they review it all and come up with a consensus mm. uh, about the common research out there. So kind yeah, of from expert study. opinion to yeah. a double blind study where all the variables are completely yeah. unknown to the participants. And yep. only an individual that's not really a part of it may understand it and anything in between, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Even down to just, um, you know, case reviews and stuff like that. Now, each of them are weighed a little bit differently, but it right. gives us an overall view of what is the consensus or what experts are finding out there in mm-hmm. the research. And so what I really liked about this one was it's not just from, you know, America, uh, there's Canadian research, there's Australian research, there's research done in Europe. Um, so it's really looking at a global scale of what we are finding in strength training and weightlifting at a young age. Nice. And kind of the, con- the consensus is kind of like what you said with the caveats of having good supervision, having the, the mental and the physical fortitude to partake in it. Uh, we're finding that you can start children um, as, as young as six years old um, and wow. kind of progress progressing from there. And of course they have the caveat, like you, like we were mentioned, but on top of those caveats, like when it comes to the actual like exercises and stuff there, the big thing is that uh, we're not looking at, at the traditional weightlifting of like, let's bulk up, let's gr- gain as much muscle as possible. What we're mm. looking at is let's do a percentage of a, a, rep max if right. you will um so they're doing higher reps so essentially a lot lower weight yep yep and allowing themselves to do higher reps in order to train their muscles safely and um, let me with that, let me ask yes. real fast it, it, yeah. is it more of like a one rep max or are they doing more of like a 10 rep subjective <clears throat> max so that's a great question. So some of the research uh, recommends like 60% of a one rep max or like 80% of a one rep max. Uh, but most of them recommend like a suggestive, let's see, let's do like 12 to 15 reps 
and I want you to do enough weight that you can't really do that many more after. Ah, so it's so kind like of a, a relative. Exertion. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought that was all pretty cool. The Australian uh, Strength and Conditioning Association actually broke up their levels um, into four different levels. So they have like 69-year-olds where they're doing 50 15 plus rep maxes and then nine to 12 year olds they're doing 10 to 15 um, or 60 percent one rep max uh 12 level three is 12 to 15 year olds they're doing 18 to 15 rep max or 70 percent one rep max and then um level four is 15 to 18 year olds and they're doing six to 15 rep max or 80 percent one rep max so i thought that was pretty interesting Mm, no, that that's absolutely fantastic. That's a great review. Um, do you do you know when it was published? Yeah, let me look that up real quick. Um, March of 2014. So it's relatively within the the grand scheme. So usually they say go back about 10 years when you do your research. So it's, yeah, getting so it's on- still relatively up to date. And yeah. from what we discussed and when when we were in school, it's obviously opposite of what the train of thought was then which is absolutely fantastic and they're also ahead of the american academy of pediatrics which when i was looking up they have one from 2008 discussing the skeleton uh, skeletal maturity of the pre-adolescence and their quote is pre-adolescence and adolescence should avoid powerlifting, bodybuilding and max lifts until they reach physical and skeletal maturity now For me, I think that's just a safety net quote because uh, we know that a skeletal mature individual doesn't happen until roughly the age of like 20 for women and 25, if not later Mm -hmm. for men. And so, but yet you, you see a lot of other schools of thought sitting here and kind of turning. So I think the American Academy of Pediatrics, they're just kind of, they don't see a reason to necessarily update, but their perspective or lens of focus is purely on the uh, maturity of the tissue, which I mean, resistance training can be helpful and there can be a little different. Yeah. I find that interesting uh, because in that, that, uh, article that I was just talking about that systematic review, they kind of point to that, not directly to the American pediatrics, but they say one of the potential problem that arises with youth uh, strength training is the chance of growth plate injury. Um, but Michelle at all suggests that this may be less in children who are actually under the age of 13 uh, than those of adolescents who are 13 and older and this is because um, the epiphyseal plate. Epiphyseal plate. Thank you. Epiphyseal plate. I'm just, it's late, guys. Um, <laughs> of a child is actually stronger and more resistant uh, to, resi- to shearing forces in pre-adolescence than it is in adolescence. Interesting. So I found, yeah, I found that very interesting because, you know, one of the common myths out there is that weight training will stunt a child's growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've heard that a whole lot, but I'm not quite sure as to why the biological um, – biophys would happen in that sort that kind of switch there but that is super interesting super super interesting. 
Welcome back, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Today we're discussing age and weightlifting and just generalized training for the pre-adolescent, the adolescent athlete, or just your kids. So uh, our, our next topic is kind of uh, weightlifting in and out of season. Um, so Jesse, I was thinking about while we were talking about the weightlifting guidelines and like all that. And, um, when you look at sports, sport is mainly the ability to sit here and conquer a series of coordinated moves to influence a third inanimate object, a puck, a ball, um, what have you, a dart, if you like to throw darts. Um, (laughs) but it's, it's a coordinated effort to be successful at moving something or retrieving something or avoiding another individual from getting there. So how, how do you see that in conjunction with weight training? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I would reference back to, or not back because I haven't referenced it yet, but I would reference to uh, Mayo clinic and their kind of guidelines over, over everything. And, they have a statement basically saying that we don't need to confuse like strength training with weight lifting um, and that children need strength training um, and they need kind of controlled movements with maybe light resistance that really emphasize proper technique and safety. And if this is done properly, uh, what they have seen through their research is that this will help improve your child's uh, muscles and joints um, and prevent them from sports related injuries. It will help improve strength endurance. Uh, but they've also have here that, um, it will help improve their overall performance and coordination when it comes to nearly any sport from dancing to figure skating to football and even to soccer. Yeah, man, this, that's exactly what I was asking. So, I mean, that just makes sense to me because I mean, we discussed how there had to be a a cognitive maturity before you actually start weightlifting. And even before that, with any parent, like before the age of six, you're just cheering them on to meet their milestones. Do you Mm -hmm. walk? Do you crawl? Did you sit up? Can you track something with your eyes? Do you interact with your environment? Like all those milestones, we're just encouraging coordination so that we become a more functional, independent human being. Mm, What about weightlifting at six years old? So, I mean, I think that Mayo Clinic really sits there and hits it on the head of like, hey, they need strength training, but that doesn't necessarily mean weightlifting. And by no means does that mean no weightlifting, but right. there's a nice balance between the two. Um, but well, how, what, you know, what's your opinion about in-season weightlift training? Well, be, before I get into that, I was going to just piggyback on that. Like, you know, what I found interesting with Mayo Clinic is that they were saying that, um, you know, at the young age like that, uh, even doing body weight is technically maybe too much for them because body weight, if you're lifting your body, it's a hundred pound person, right? Like if this hundred pound child is doing a push up, they're doing about 75 pounds of pushing up. That could be too much for their muscles at the time. So even doing light band work um, to get, kind of get them up to that point would help. Or like a wall push up. Yeah. Like variations, but yeah. So that kind of, piggybats into what you were asking about like what about in season and you know i think in season it's very very 
important that we understand uh, what our goal is when it comes to strength training and weightlifting in season. And, and really it's not to build muscle. It's not to build strength. It's to maintain uh, strength for what we're doing because we're already putting our bodies through stress. So we just want to maintain that our muscles are going to be activated, are going to be coordinated to handle the stress and not to overstress them when we're not playing the sport. And I think that's where a lot of schools, a lot of, even into college, um, dating back to whenever I was playing tennis, like we were doing CrossFit style workout workouts when we were in season and that's just like way too much when you're talking about you know overhead pressing a bar and you you play a sport that you know probably 25 30 40 percent of the time i'm hitting a ball overhead like my arms already doing a lot of work up there so i think it comes in a lot of scales of we just need to understand what our purpose is when it when we're in season yeah, and and I think another thing that comes with in season that's not really uh, considered or talked a whole lot about is with that mindset of that we're not looking to improve our strength or to sit here and gain mass or sit here and really seek out a personal record, there also has to be a change in over the course of the season. Mm. Like whenever you see a baseball player, uh, professional season is roughly about eight months, depending on if you sit here and make the the playoffs. And just as a reference from last episode, we discussed that a uh, sports specialization is that it is eight months out of the year. So if we are maximizing the sports specialization at eight months as baseball, soccer can sit here and go almost all year round. Football is, I believe roughly about four, maybe five. I mean, the duration of this in season workout needs to be tailored in and of itself. Mm. So like when you're coming out of out, uh, out of season, yes, you, you try to put on the mask, you try to sit here and gain the new personal record. You try to sit here and improve yourself for the upcoming season, but the season needs to be tailored. Like you're not mm. as a baseball player, you're not going to have the same in season workout in March as you do in September or August because your body's already been taxed for six months. And for you to sit here and try to sit here and do the exact same thing as in March, that doesn't make sense. Because if you're sitting here and challenging your body to its nth degree, which I mean, we're, we're talking about sports, so it's entertainment. You have to sit here and provide your physical best for the viewers, for the opportunity that needs to be looked at and tailored. And I'm not quite sure that that is sitting here and being discussed um, with it. I know that parts that it might be being considered where it's like talking about playtime, like athletes may need to get a rest here, sit here and tailor the amount of minutes that they're in a sport, but I'm not quite sure it's actually tailored in their workouts. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I agree completely. I think that in the high, like, 6A football schools in Texas, um, you know, even into college, even the small college schools, they usually have a strength and conditioning, um, either GA or coach on staff. So I think it is more considered, but even you're limited to how much does that person know about that individual sport. Um, I mean, going back again to, to my years in college, um, I think the GA coach that was there, 
came from football and baseball background. And so he was doing a lot for those programs, but he just allowed my captains to decide what we were going to do. And my captains, you know, weren't, didn't know anything about it. You know, they did what they wanted to do and then they made us do it. And so CrossFit was big at the time. So we did CrossFit. Uh, but for them, they didn't actually know the ins and outs of periodization of strength training, loads, reps, like what is good for what you're trying to hit, whether it's muscular endurance, hypertrophy, um, just basic strength training, or if we're going for power, stuff like that. Um, and so it really is uh, kind of sad that a lot of schools will sit there and put their kids um, into trying to get stronger and stuff, but don't know how to do it. It's just a blanketed, let's go squat. Let's go bench press. Let's go deadlift your max every day of the week. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's definitely situationally dependent because it's so individualistically tailored. And yeah. I, I definitely agree with you um, with my statements earlier. It wasn't pointed towards like the professional uh, level or even necessarily the higher end of college, but it was more of like for the parents looking at yeah. their kids that are maybe in junior high and they're in the weight room or in high school, they're in the weight room. I mean, that that's a place where you, you should know what's going on. If you know mm -hmm. what's going on in the classroom, in your history class, in your English class, in your math class, why, why don't you know about what's being tailored in your uh, gym? Because ultimately, let's be real, you're paying for probably a team outside of that school because if your child's uh, sitting here and participating in high school athletics, you probably have a secondary team that's not with that high school. So you're investing in the the physical maturity of your child to be in the physical performance of athletics. But do you know what's going on in the gym? made this far into the episode thank you so much for your support uh, i hope you're really enjoying the content so far we are excited to announce another giveaway to kick off season two uh, we are giving away dr myron roll's book uh, the two percent way dr roll is an ex-nfl athlete turned neurosurgeon and credits his success to the philosophy of making small improvements each day in order to enter the giveaway all you have to do is follow and join the manifest podcast group on facebook then leave a review on your performed streaming platform. You can find further details in the show notes below or on Facebook. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to the ManFit Podcast. We just got done uh, discussing um, in our first segment about just the recommendations of, about weightlifting um, especially for adolescents and pre-adolescents. And then we kind of discussed um, kind of in and out season and, and Jay kind of gave the challenge to parents that we really need to be involved and understand what our, our children are doing um, not only in um, their academics, but in their athletics at school. Um, and it kind of brings me to the question, Jay, you know, if we notice that our child's not, um, getting the training they need to do or they're doing it too early because sometimes even, you know, at seventh grade with even the supervision that they get, it's really bad technique and stuff. What role do we have um, as parents um, in one, discussing that with them, but two, kind of 
taking a step back and trying to train them more appropriately and, and controversially, like how can we uh, do that in different means than just like strict weightlifting? Well, yeah, that, 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 that can get tricky, but I would sit here and really, um, I would probably direct parents to like alternative styles of lifting, um, kind of just focusing more on things like calisthenics, maybe some light banded resistance training, or even like a creative plyometric combination training. So where I'm at, there's um, some very unique businesses that are starting to pop up in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. And they are uh, sports related training facilities, but they take a very different mindset of how to improve one's physical capability. And it's not Mm. focused with weights. It's focused with different coordinated attempts and conquering different directional challenges, whether you're on an unstable surface, a stable surface, Mm -hmm. whether you're moving backwards or at a diagonal, whether you're jumping over a barrier, whether you're trying to jump over a barrier and catch something. And Mm -hmm. it's training the body to be able to adapt to multiple different forces and multiple different directions. Because again, athletics is very much the design and control of a coordinated effort to succeed and to manipulate a third inanimate object most of the time. And so if you can help your child learn how to conquer all these different variety of forces and kind of just discuss with them like, hey, this this is what you should be able to conquer. And then they can take that coordinated and safety and, and you can send them into the weight room with some generalized ideas. And then I would tell them to probably like, Hey, go talk to your weightlifting coach Mm -hmm. and be like, can you give me safety pointers? But Mm -hmm. ultimately I would probably encourage more of the ability to sit here and conquer coordinated efforts on multiple different planes. You know, I know I really like that because, you know, and you can, you can attest to this, you know, from what we do for a living, that's exactly kind of what we, we do when we help someone get back into performance. Um, especially when we see athletes, a lot of times, you know, the stuff that we have them doing in grand schemes of their physical capabilities is probably seems really easy, but Absolutely. when you do, when you do it in the appropriate manner with the appropriate technique, uh, timing of muscles and all that, it becomes challenging for them because they haven't developed that neuromuscular, uh, edgy, like coordination, like we're talking about. So I love that, that, um, you know, Dallas Fort Worth is starting to see these programs, um, jump up for kids because really that's one, how you're going to see higher level athletes. Yes, uh, it is. But two, that's how we're going to decrease injury, um, as, you know, our culture seems to be moving more and more to sports specializations. Like we talked about last week, that's going to really help, um, us kind of decrease that overuse injuries that are common, um, in that population. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, because we are kind of sliding towards that sports specialization and really trying to, to tweak it. Um, but it, it's a very, it's a very different mindset. And for some of those that you, that you're trying to picture what, um, I was discussing it, don't think of like a group of people doing 75 
weighted squats going up and down. Mm-hmm. Think of somebody that has a line of like seven cones. You're alternating your feet as you jump through with someone tossing a Frisbee at you. And then at the end, you have to hop on a BOSU ball, which is an unstable ball that only has half of the ball cut off. And then you have to throw the Frisbee back while turning in the air and landing on one foot and performing a single leg squat at the end. Um, that's kind of the stuff that it's kind of challenging the athlete. And when that happens, it sits here and teaches them that they can, how to know their own body. Mm -hmm. And what we're always fascinated with, with the professionals is how they can take the human body and create something that seems to exceed what we uh, would deem a limit. Um, take Aaron judge. We took, talked about him earlier in this season and his capability of hitting the home run. Yes. He has physical attributes that sit here and make him more of a home run hitting success, but he still has to conquer a very specific coordinated effort to sit here and achieve that goal. You can also look at different quarterbacks and how, when uh, Jesse, you're going to have to help me the um, quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. um, Uh. Is it Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan at one point, I don't know. Yeah, so he's not the quarterback anymore. But when he was getting drafted, one of the big stories of him getting drafted was he sat down on the football field, took the football, and threw it all the way to the other end zone. And he was well past the halfway line. And that was a huge story. And that was crazy because everybody was like, man, that that's unknown. That's unheard of. That's exceeding what the physical limit is. And the same thing has been seen in football with field goal kickers. Uh, when I was growing up and I was younger, it was a big deal to kick a 45-year-old, uh, 45-yard field goal. Now you're looking at 60 yards is what people are trying to kick, and people are going, you can't touch 70 yards. Mm-hmm. And so, but we're creeping up in that. And so these different ways of training seem to be very important because they're teaching the person to sit here and be able to control their body. And when it's brought in conjunction with weight training, that's where I think huge success is. Um, No, I would agree completely. Um, 100% with everything that you just said. Um, So friends and family, if you enjoyed what we had to talk about, um, I hope you consider to uh, continue to listen and support us. Um, we did extend our giveaway um, by a couple of weeks um, due to sheer lack of participation. So I would just encourage you all to please, please participate. Um, it really helps us to get this podcast out to others, yes. um, especially for topics like this that really need to be you know, around for coaches, for parents uh, to just hear so we can keep kids safe as they uh, progress in their performance and athletic abilities. Um, But you can hit us up as always at manfit22 at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at manfit podcast. Um, And then do you got anything else for, for the listeners, Jay? Um. The only thing I want to say is may God bless you and keep you. May God bless you and keep you indeed. Thanks for listening to the Manfit Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Manfit Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we finally discuss nutrition and sports and healing. Mm-hmm.